0: Hello there pod, I'm Chris Hewitt and welcome to the second in our series of spoiler special podcasts dedicated to dissecting Obi-Wan Kenobi, the brand new Star Wars spin-off show on Disney Plus that brings back Ewan McGregor as everyone's favourite Jedi Master, who isn't Ki-Adi-Mundi. This week we'll be diving deep into Episode 2, which is confusingly titled Part 2, when these episodes, as someone on Twitter pointed out to me yesterday, really should have been called Obi-Wan, obi Two. Obi-3 and so on. What can you do? Anyway, in this episode Obi-Wan travels to Deu. Deu tries to track down Princess Leia without treading on the toes of the original trilogy, meets a con man masquerading as a Jedi and finds out that Anakin Skywalker is still alive and still calling himself Darth Vader and still floating around in what could well be, over the next few episodes, a flashback to Tank. Oh, Oh, and the Grand Inquisitor has a terrible, horrible, no good, very bad day. To discuss this episode, which is packed with incident, I'm joined by two colleagues of such lethal cunning. Our very own Ben is still in hiding. Uh, He's he's gone missing after Star Wars Celebration, I think. He's he's absconded with Baby Yoda, to be honest. Uh, So... (laughs) Instead, my other two colleagues of such lethal cunning have risen very early on a Monday morning to plug into their pod devices, joined by geek princess, Helen (laughs) O'Hara.
1: This is a demotion I will accept for this one occasion. Hello.
0: It just implies you're a queen in waiting.
1: Yeah, but I was a queen yesterday, so it still feels like a bit of a demotion, you know. Mm.
0: Self-appointed queen, Helen, in fairness. Uh,
1: No, no, you appointed me. No, I will not take this. I have not played this I title. You? Did mm-hmm. I put you, Geek Queen? Mm-hmm. Or somebody did, anyway.
0: I started far too high, both with that <laughs> sentence and with your title. Uh, anyway, we're also joined by the flea in your ear, James Dyer. That's a flea bass solo. Is um, it now? Yeah. Okay. You will never find a more wretched pod of scum and villainy. It must it must be be cautious. cautious. <laughs> <laughs> All right, James has woken up. With a massive heart out uh he has to leave very very soon so let's barrel straight into this episode uh first impressions uh jimbo i realized you didn't actually tell us what you thought of the first episode in the in our I last I did. spoiler did special I not? no <laughs> you didn't <laughs> i no. mentioned it. I stayed, no. I stayed on the fence yeah. perfectly balanced as all things should be
2: <laughs> uh <laughs> yeah no i did i did like it a lot actually uh, i liked it a lot more than i thought i would like it and i and i think i mentioned this in in passing i i it made me slightly warm and fuzzy towards the prequels, which I have not been for quite some time. Yes! So, uh, not Come no, with me. I, it, crucially, it did not make me under any circumstances <laughs> think they're good. Yes! Like, it absolutely didn't. But I've long held the fact that, although those films are <laughs> broadly terrible, I have a deep-seated emotional connection to them, and I have a huge affection for them because they're Star Wars. So it doesn't matter. It's like one of these things where you know it's a bit shit, but you love it anyway, and that's kind of how I feel about it. But this, I was like, like oh. Like for a podcast. Indeed, yes. <laughs> <laughs> so, so, so th- th- yes, this, this, this gave me force tingles.
0: Oh, uh, come with me, Jimbo, into my Chamber of Denial. <laughs> <laughs> I, th- I thought we were expelled from that
2: Chamber of Denial when we first left that 3D Phantom Menace screening and had that sort of slightly no, morose I was
1: about I was about to stage meal. an intervention. Guys, your yeah. Chamber of Denial has been closed now yeah. for
0: years. When we I'm looked at in. each other,
1: we were like, no. it's not very good. No. <laughs> back in. And
0: you, know, and you know the key to being back in the Chamber of Denial with the prequels? What's that? Not watching them. Yes, I think that does that help. That
1: probably does help. Yeah, if you just see the clips of the good bits, yes. you're like, you know what, these were fine. These were really quite good.
2: Yeah, Was I, I wrong? I find if you snort all three different types of spice before watching them, <laughs> Kessel, <laughs> Glitter Stim,
0: and Folution, that really helps a great deal. So, yes. you know. Is this the first Star Wars? I mean, this is—we uh, we should talk about this first of all before we get into the episode proper. Uh, that Obi Wan Kenobi is—you know—ostensibly this is a Star Wars show, so ostensibly this is a family show. Ostensibly, it's for kids. That's—that's uh, that's overlooked the fact that the—the the title logo has the word "wank" in it, uh, <laughs> <laughs> right there, bold and front and center for everyone to see.
1: I think the this space feels- is important there, Chris, to say. The
0: space is very important uh, yeah. where wanks are concerned, yeah. Helen. Is correct and. What I was trying to say was that this show feels a bit darker in tone. It feels a bit harder edged. You know, we I, we didn't talk in our first episode conversation about the fate of Benny Safdie's Jedi uh, Nari. I think it was his name. He's and, Jedi, and he, you know, that, that image of a, of a Jedi hanging dead in the in the middle of the town square obviously has connotations, folks.
1: Yeah, I did notice though that. Um- in that, and Per Benny Sefti, he's great. We love him. Um, but in that, he wasn't—he wasn't hung, you know, from his neck, um, and he wasn't obviously injured in any way. There were no visible wounds. So even then, I thought they were a little bit holding back. I don't think this is that hard edge. I don't think this is quite as gory as some. Shows have gone recently. Oh, well, we had a
0: hand being cut off in the first episode. Yeah, we but had a, we have we a had hand a per- cut
1: off in every Star Wars property at some point, practically. And a, you know, in, in fairness,
0: part. Anne Peru and Uncle Owen are charred to a crisp mm. in the first Star Wars, and quite rightly so. Oh, uh, wow! As I've, as I've said before, uh, Uncle Owen gives Obi Wan shit in the first episode, and he must pay the ultimate price. Uh, what is
1: your? I have. I am going to need you to show your reasoning. If giving someone shit meant paying the ultimate price,
0: oh, I'm dead. none of I'm, us would be here. <laughs> <laughs> I, have, I have a very fiery death awaiting me. But uh, back to my point about being slightly more adult in that this is the first Star Wars uh, show or even the first Star Wars property that I can remember where we see someone tripping major ball sacks, uh, which is, we've we obviously seen spies before and we've, we've heard reference to other drugs. Uh, clearly those bikers in... Boba Fett are off their tits on Felucian, but this is the first time we've actually seen people tripping. And I'm sure that uh, you know in that scene where we see Flea road tripping with his two favorite allies, uh, that is the first time that a member of the Red Hot Chili Peppers has ever ingested illicit substances. <laughs> Ripped to the tits on spice. <laughs> mm. <laughs> they really were, and the episode doesn't end well for Flea and it doesn't yeah. end well for um, a couple of people uh, either. But let's let's go through it as chronologically as we can. So the last episode ended with uh, Obi Wan. Obi Wan, Obi Wan. Uh, Please notice when yes. Obi Wan gets on the transport that the security is far
2: more lax than it is in Mandalorian.
1: Yes, I was going to say the same thing. Maybe this is one of the things that the Republic has done that the Empire didn't bother with, which seems surprising that the Empire (laughs) wouldn't bother with, you know, weapons checks, um, given that they're very militarised. But but yeah, so we saw Mando having to give up his lightsaber to get on a transport, and Obi-Wan just, la la la, maybe we didn't see it, maybe it happened, maybe he had to wait at the carousel to get it back.
2: Pedants will of course point out that it is the Outer Rim Territories and the Empire don't have any jurisdiction, so I imagine it's all a bit Wild West, including, you know, TSA.
0: Yes, I can't remember exactly where Mando is coming from in that episode, but he's coming from somewhere that is under Empire jurisdiction. Uh, whereas here, Obi Wan isn't. So, well, New uh, Republic jurisdiction for Mando, isn't it? Yes, yes, so, it is. A yeah. good point. A good point. Um, still can't remember the name of the planet, but uh, yeah, it would be. <laughs> Imagine if he got stopped. That's a lightsaber. You're a Jedi. <laughs> Dead. End of well, episode. Well, I mean, one. the lightsaber is uniquely shaped to be concealable. On transport, so you know, I think he'd be fine. Yes, I love the way he swishes back his cloak at the end of the first episode to reveal a lightsaber, and they don't notice. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, he's quite cavalier about that. He is quite cavalier about it. Yeah, I'd have it in a little pouch, like I when I when I go to podcast interviews, I carry my microphones in a pouch. What like prison style? um, Not. I don't tuck it on the ship and just you know. No, I don't mean I'm tucking it in like Buffalo Bill. I just mean that I you know I have I genuinely have a little pouch where I carry and. You know, if Obi-Wan had to do that and he had to grab his lightsaber out of a little pouch, it would take a while. He'd probably be dead. So, yes, having it holster-style is probably a good thing. But he doesn't use it yet. He takes it out. He is thinking about using it when he's pinned down at the end of the episode. I guess we're going to barrel around the episode here. Uh, He's pinned down by Reva, the third sister. uh, But he doesn't use it.
2: And no point does
0: he whip it out. He does, but he doesn't use it. So we're obviously building towards that. So when do you think the first time we're going to see Obi-Wan spark up his lightsaber? Do we think it's going to be versus Vader? Do we think it's going to be earlier than that?
1: Mm, I hadn't thought of that. Um, maybe they keep it for Vader. Maybe that makes sense. Maybe um, we see him doing very badly with the blaster in the meantime and sort of confirming his prejudice
2: uncivilized
1: against that. Yeah, because he's like he's not great. Clumsy as a marksman, Random. so um, I, I feel like if we're leaning into that, that could be quite entertaining in the meantime.
2: I think he'll fight third sister. You yeah. think, yeah, it's gonna happen.
0: Yeah, next episode, fourth episode, fifth episode, sixth episode. Yeah, one, I one of those could go on, but I've run out of episodes.
1: Yeah, definitely one of those.
0: Okay, excellent. Uh, This is the sort of scintillating speculation that people have come to. (laughs) It'll happen in one of the remaining four episodes, Chris. I I wouldn't wish to stake my professional reputation on guessing which. Uh, All right, we'll talk about the confrontation with Reva and what Reva does to the Grand Inquisitor uh, later on. Again, let's try and barrel through the episode chronologically. We'll take some listener questions also. Uh, So, Obi-Wan lands on Deo, Deo, and he immediately... (laughs) He just basically starts asking around, which is not great. He's not great at the old subterfuge, Mm. is Obi-Wan. But I enjoyed this episode because it reminded me of the five-star classic, Attack of the Clones, which has an entire subplot where Obi-Wan turns detective. And he's trying to track down Jango Fett and trying to figure out who the assassin is. And this was a little bit like that, only with a a bit more of a, a bumbling Kenobi. You're saying you should have called Dex. Oh my God, yes.
1: It was a little bit like that, to the point where I was a bit like, if you're going to have scenes that are so reminiscent of clones, maybe you should have said it on a planet that was less reminiscent of the kind of underworld of of uh, Coruscant. You know, it feels like, oh, look, we're in another, you know, rain-soaked, neon-lit, Blade Runner-esque underworld, which Camden. is exactly where he was before. It's Camden, yes. Yeah, it's Camden, Yeah. <laughs> Um, but do you know what I mean? Like, if he's going to be doing the same thing, maybe just give him a different city to do it in a little bit. A,
0: a different milieu. A milieu. A milieu. If you, is what you're suggesting here, Helen. Yeah, um, I am. Yeah. Yeah. I, I. Yeah. I quite liked it from a set design point of view, and I thought, you know, oh, yeah. you know, it, was, it was nicely, it was nicely padded out. You can't really tell that these shows are shot in the pandemic. They they've got all their extras in the bubbles, which is which is good. So they feel quite populated these places Um, but yeah I think next week my my feeling in this show is that it's going to take us to a different planet every week Uh, so next week we know for example from Haja Estri he says take this thing and it's going to take you to this planet Mapuzo and I think that's where we're going to spend next week's episode. Then the week after that, he's going to go to Nabood, meet up with Jar Jar Binks. <laughs> then he's going to go back to Coruscant to meet up with a sleaze Bigano and see whether he did go home and rethink his life. And then episode six takes us to somewhere else and Vader, mm-hmm. and then we'll Is come it, back to-
1: Because Vader has his castle there, doesn't he?
0: He'd, why would you again? Again? I mean,
1: so yes. Look, our ways are not the ways of that weirdo. You know. <laughs> I, don't <laughs> Your know. I don't know. The ways are not tell.
0: the ways of the weirdo. Uh, yeah. Why would you? I, I don't know why anyone. I said this in last week's property episode. Cheap. Property is cheaper than cheap, Yeah, Yeah. Yeah. Very affordable. That seems to be it.
1: And probably, you know, the way that people go to like spa towns for the cure and the water is like heavily sulfurated. Uh Sulfated. Anyway, um, (laughs) maybe it's like that. You know, with all that volcanic activity, there's a lot of sulfur around. It's very healing. You know, so basically, it looks like a big scary castle from the outside, but inside, it's essentially a spa town.
0: Yeah, maybe that's what it is. And then he just takes a cooling dip in the, the soothing waters of Mustafar. Ah,
1: my limbs are
0: still on fire <laughs> from the time they were cut off. And then I was set ablaze by my mentor. Oh my God. Uh, but my feeling on this next week's episode, because I think we are going to sip around some planets, uh, the planet that Haja Estri, Kamel Nagiani's character, says is called Mapuzo. Now that is, in my mind, that feels to me like it might be a portmanteau word to stand for Mario Puzo. Ma Puzo. Uh-huh. Ma puzo. So here's my here's my big speculation <laughs> for next week. Next week is going to be set on some sort of crime planet. Right. It's going to be set on some right. sort of godfathery planet.
2: crime planet. There um, you they're go. already on a crime planet. So presumably this is a bit like it's a bit like, you know, rural Sicily, you think?
0: Yeah, I think it's going to be like I think it's going to be like The Godfather. I think it's going to be like The Godfather Part 2. I think it's going to be like that. That's right. that, that's my that's my bold. He's going to get mixed up with crime families and a big old boss next week. That's what I'm saying.
1: That I I guess anything is possible in an infinite universe. I feel in the like grand that's calculus maybe of the multiverse
0: I think that's what's going to happen.
1: A bit of a stretch, but weirder things, let's be honest, have happened.
0: I'm just thinking, I, I, I'm curious about the etymology of Mapuzo. So that's my theory. I'm going to suggest that for next week. If I'm wrong, right. then I will hold my hands up and delete this episode uh, <laughs> and, and erase all wow. evidence <laughs> from the record. <laughs> Way um, to
1: show it. Way to show you wrong.
0: It's why I burnt every issue of Empire with the five-star Attack of the Clones review in it. Uh, anyway, this may be the early morning start, but I don't think either of you have actually talked about this episode and what, what you feel about it in general terms.
1: No, that's true. Um, I I liked it. Um, I felt like the well, because I felt it very much of a of a of a piece with the first one. So, but I did think that this kind of you know raised the stakes, had a little bit more action. I still think the action isn't the greatest strength of this show so far. Yep. Um, that fight in the corridor was not brilliant, uh, but at the same time, you know it's got some scope, it's got some scale, um, it's got some surprises. So I'm I am still enjoying this and um I think there might be some mileage in the in the wizened old cynic and feisty preteen dynamic here. I think there's still a little bit of a way to go on that, but there's there's the potential for some quite fun um fighting between uh Leia and Obi-Wan.
0: Yes. I wonder how long that's gonna continue. Do you think this is the uh the the relationship that's going to drive the show right to its final episode.
1: Yeah. I was wondering that myself. I think it is, it would feel a little bit baby Yoda, wouldn't it? Yeah. It would feel a little bit Yoda to have. And look, it's a great dynamic. It's proven over and over again in literature And you know, comics and TV and movies. Mm -hmm. You put a you know big hard man. Yeah, the lone wolf and and cub, cub. (laughs) the lone wolf and cub, if you will. (laughs) Although that was a father and son, so it's a slightly different thing. But but the the hard man and the little kid who kind of pokes Mm. fun at him. It's it's a classic classic dynamic. It works really really well. But at the same time, they've just done that brilliantly. So I'm not sure that you can build your entire show around it.
2: I profoundly hope they don't i just think like baby yoda is wonderful and hey look last of us all this i'm i'm here for the dynamic in principle but hard pass on this is this one. because are you still not quite I'm not convinced with i find it quite irritating and also i really 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 hate that it's like 10 year olds are admittedly 10 but they're not fucking stupid and it's just like she's it's, it's that whole like just for drama child runs off to create tension it's just like where's she going Where's she going to go? What's again? She she's she's on a fucking crime planet. Like what? what does she imagine is going to happen if well, she gets first, away okay. from him?
1: First of all, she doesn't know she's on a crime planet. Second of all, she does know that she's with some dude who is looking for her, who may have nefarious intent. I don't think that's stupid. What's she supposed know. to do with stick with this guy she doesn't trust? No, that seems like a bad idea.
2: Guy who rescued her from kidnappers who just happens to have who a slightly says dodgy attack. Who from and a beard. kidnappers?
1: He's a guy who turned up in the kidnap being you know, hide out house. and says, hey, I'm rescuing you. She doesn't know him from Adam. She doesn't know anything about him. I'm Ben
0: well, Kenobi. I'm here to rescue you. That's right. He's your only hope, Leia. Christ. He is. Very, very much so. Uh, I, I I, don't think she's written as stupid. I'll, I'll be honest with I you. I don't. Uh, I think she's actually written as complete opposite.
2: She's no, written I don't think she's a... written as stupid. I just don't yeah. like that device. That's, you know, run I, away. it's that is part of that, uh, that dynamic, isn't it? That the older mm-hmm. person with the younger child, the child has to run off and cause and imperil themselves. And it's just like, it felt like an
0: unnecessarily first base bit of plotting to me. You felt that you probably didn't need that in the writing, that you could have just imperiled them. Mm. Naturally, they're on a planet where Obi-Wan Kenobi has been turned into Obi-Wan Wick, and every bounty hunter on that planet is suddenly yes. coming after them. excommunicado.
1: Yeah, he's excommunicado.
0: That's, that's peril in itself without Leia getting the wrong end of the, of the stick. But I don't think she's written as stupid at all. I think yeah. she's actually written as incredibly smart, incredibly perceptive. She, she is able to see through schemes and people very, very quickly. She does it in episode one with her cousin, uh, where she, you know, tears him down a peg or two. Uh, it's very much like doing a podcast with Helen, uh,
1: <laughs> in that she Aww. sees through a
0: bullshit very, very quickly. Uh, and then in this episode, she does it twice. She does it with Flea and then she does it with Obi-Wan. Like she sees, she understands very, very quickly that he is the reason that she's there, that she sees his picture and immediately puts it together. So I think it's actually quite clever in, the, in, in, in terms of laying the groundwork for this being
1: Yeah. And also it's it's not a misunderstanding. She is correct that he is the reason she's there and she's a pawn and someone trying to get to him. And, you know, it's not an unreasonable reaction to remove herself from that situation or attempt to.
2: Mm. i think it is i think like he he has removed her from the kidnapper she can see that he is a third party because they're all trying to kill him and whether or not it's ultimately his fault that she was kidnapped indirectly obviously he's still her best chance of survival as opposed to running around on the streets of a very dangerous planet as a 10 year old she
1: doesn't know it's a dangerous planet i mean all she needs to do is find a phone
2: All the time. It's lit in neon. There's lots of shifty people slinging spice. And even if one of them is Ewan McGregor's daughter, that doesn't make her any less unsavory. Is that Uh, Ewan McGregor's daughter? That was Ewan McGregor's daughter. That's Esther Rose McGregor, Ewan's daughter. And she goes up to her dad and tries to sell him spice. You can bet your ass he's taken her home to
0: make her go and rethink her life. (laughs) (laughs) You don't want to sell me Felucian. (laughs) (laughs) Wow, that is... I saw McGregor in the credits and I thought, oh, that's going to be his daughter. But I, I just assumed that it would be someone who was like five years old. I didn't expect it would be a fully. I feel old. Yeah. I feel so old. You McGregor's daughter is fully grown and is trying to sell him space drugs. What is going on?
1: <laughs> We're very old.
0: Oh, my yeah. God.
1: Look, all she needs to do as she sees it probably is get to a phone and call home. Space that's been her um, Space phone. That's probably been her experience all through her life. She doesn't have a huge amount of experience. It is not unreasonable for her to think, let me go to the authorities, make a phone call, all this goes away. Anyway. Space phones. This
2: is always the thing that, that I've never understood about uh, about science fiction stuff, is that there doesn't seem to be, and we see this in The Mandalorian, there doesn't seem to be any concrete way to contact people like easily. Like Obviously, Obi-Wan has this little shuriken communicator, mm. which is obviously dialed in and Bale has the number for. But they don't have mobiles in the future. It's not the future, James. It's the past. That's right, that's true. It is the past. It's a very good point.
1: It's an interesting question, isn't it? It actually, um, in science fiction, there is a convention, uh, not like a one you go to and meet people in costume, but there is a there is a sort of convention that you need a device. And the device has come to be called an Ansible.
0: I loved him in West Side Story, Ansible. <laughs> he was great.
1: No, but the Ansible is basically the thing that allows you to communicate in real time with people on planets that are many, many light years away. Mm. So, because if you have... You know, if you have like uh, warp speed or you know uh, s- jumping through hyperspace or something, that that explains how you can travel from planet to planet. But how you get messages from planet to planet still needs to yes. be explained. So the Ansible is the answer. It, no one knows what it means. Uh, I think it was Ursula K. Le Guin who came up with it, but it may have been Octavia Butler. But um, but yeah, that is, that is how they communicate, or should in any sensible. Science fiction. The answer Yeah. Travel travel in
0: Star Wars is really quick. I I think almost a little bit too quick for me. And Obi-Wan even says to Leia, he's like, you'll be home before sundown. And it's like, I I think it should take a little longer than that to travel from planet to planet in Star Wars. It should take at least maybe, I don't know, a day or two days. I'm just well, saying. Depending
2: but. on the proximity, it probably would do, because if the Millennium Falcon could go 0.5 past light speed, and that was unusually fast, you've got to think that actual light speed is pretty much the speed at which they go out. So It's not like warp speed like in Star Trek. So actually, that That's would, a good point. That would take a while, even at light speed.
1: I mean, look, we're talking about you know the galactic hub where stars are much closer together than they are in our little arm sure. of the galaxy. But even so, you're right. That seems everything should take a lot longer. We're talking months.
0: Well, if you're 22 light years away from somewhere, even if you travel at light speed, that should take you then 22 years to get there. Yes. So they had to condense it somehow. Yes, but.
1: assuming, <laughs> of course, that you don't have to accelerate or decelerate, which actually would massively increase the amount of time it would take um, to probably a couple of hundred years. Yeah.
0: Uh, we're we're doing it again don't do that it's a Star Wars it's all magic Uh, that's totally fine it's wormholes it's Event Horizon it's Dr. William Weir it's it's everything everything is fine everything is fine I should stop quibbling there are no more quibbles from me Jimbo your thoughts on the episode in general before we Uh, I enjoyed the episode
2: I thought it was good I didn't think it was as strong as the first episode um, but generally I enjoyed it I enjoyed uh, Hugh McGregor yanking on his beard in the manner of Alec Guinness that was fun Mm. I like that he's adopted that little Pensive mannerism. When does he do Uh, that? He does it when he's, um, I think it's shortly after he's approached, before he meets um, Kuman Nanjiani. He's sitting there thinking and he's
0: yanking on his beard in the same way that that Allegheny does. It's nice. That's good. All right. Okay. Well. All right. Let's let's get back to the farce. Let's try and I, I've I've committed to this chronological rundown of the episode. I'm gonna I'm gonna do it even if it kills me. Cool. Uh, so he lands on the planet Deo Deo, and he decides then to just ask around. Have you seen this girl? I'm trying to be uncognito, but have you seen her? I'm looking for. Her. Uh, eventually, that leads him. Uh, in his bumbling fashion to Kamel Nanjiani as Haja Estri, who was one letter away from Haja Elstri, uh, which feels to me a little bit of a nod to where they shot the original Star Wars. Mm-hmm. And he is a con man pretending to be a Jedi. So what do we make of Lat development? What do we make of Kamel's character and his arc in this episode?
1: Yeah, I kind of, I almost wanted more from him by the end. I, the, the idea of someone pretending to be a Jedi in this particular Situation was interesting because there's presumably no real Jedi's to argue with you, but you really have to keep below the Imperial radar unless they know for sure that you're not a Jedi. But that seems unlikely given that he is actually doing good deeds, albeit for money. So that was interesting. But I kind of did want there to be a little bit more, you know, idealism under it when he came through at the end. When he did his kind of hand solo heel face turn at the end, you know, you wanted there to be a little bit of a. I hope to be a Jedi, or my life was saved by a Jedi, or something a little bit more than than there was, maybe.
2: It didn't feel like he had proper motivation for yeah. this kind of selfless act. Also, it annoyed me that Third Sister didn't just immediately impale him on a lightsaber, which is what she does to absolutely everyone else. So, you know, but she did use special dark side powers to sift through his mind. So...
0: Yeah, yeah. I I thought he was going to go out in a a sort of heroic, noble sacrifice. It was all a little bit too quick for me. I quite like the scene with Obi-Wan where he goes, you know, okay, I'll help you. Can I trust you? Definitely. In a way that indicates that perhaps you might not be able to Mm -hmm. trust him. But then he's trustworthy the rest of the episode. I feel that this is an episode where some steps have been shortened. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. The bit where he says, you want
2: to go to the dodgiest part of town, and Ewan is instantly where she's being held. It's like, that feels like a very quick investigation.
0: I don't know whether there is a desire uh, in the MCU and in the Star Wars TV shows to conform to TV norms in terms of running time of episodes. Mm-hmm. But I just think, honestly, guys, you don't have to have ad breaks. You're not trying to hit those those points that conventional TV shows have to hit. So just let the just let the episodes be as long as they need to be. So if you need to explain motivations more properly and more thoroughly, then let yourselves lean into that. I'm okay with watching a one-hour episode every week. Rather than just racing to meet a forty-five, fifty-minute runtime, if you if you have to show how Obi Wan gets down to ground level with Leia after saving her, after having previously been trapped and pinned on a roof, and then suddenly magically he's down down below, <laughs> then show it.
1: Yeah, there is there is a lot of that kind of shorthand. I I do think with uh, finding Leia, it might have been instructive if there'd been literally a sign of him. You know, standing in a corner, going quiet and almost meditating for a second, and then just walking off with purpose. Like you could literally have done it in about fifteen, twenty seconds. And because she is force sensitive, you know, he—it's not unreasonable that he would be able to sort of sense her in that yeah, way. Yeah,
0: I just, but I think this is this whole show right up until that moment where he has no choice but to use the force. Mm-hmm. I think this whole show is about him. Just he, this is a man who's just completely and utterly shut off that yes. part of himself, and yeah. I don't even think that's uh, that's an option for him at that point. You know, when he uses the Force, when the Force awakens, right? uh, when he's saving Leia during that fall from from the, the roof, that's a completely and utterly unconscious act, and that's the thing that begins to, I think, uncork him. This is all yeah. this is all about uncorking.
1: Yeah, I mean that Obi-Wan. that's that's probably fair. I just felt like they're. The show could have built in a difference between sort of passive and active use of the force, if you will, but between sort of detection and in outside influencing things. And, and that to me wouldn't necessarily have undermined that character arc for him. So, uh, you know, I just I just feel like there was a there was an option there. Even if you don't want to build all the sets to have him walking through streets for ages, you know, you could have still I'm just saying you could have still done it quite easily, quite quickly.
0: I wonder if the missed opportunity for me is that you could have had Hadja Estri travel with him, mm-hmm. you know, rather than going, you need to go to this place. It's you know, the you know, more wretched hive of scum of villainy. And, but I'll come with you and I'll mm-hmm. be your eyes and ears. And you could have had a bit of back and forth between the two of them. Then maybe he could have seen that he was a Jedi.
2: Honestly, I think, you know, had I been writing this show, Haja Estri would be a much, much, much better sidekick to Obi-Wan than Leia would be. I, the two of them together would be fucking hilarious and I would find that endlessly entertaining because I thought he was great.
0: Yeah, he's funny. Mm. He's, he's very, very funny, is is um, I, uh, And I think at the end when, when Reva meets him, I did think he was, she, she was going to kill him at that point, but clearly the the Inquisitors can sense whether you are a Jedi, whether you have Force powers, yeah, yeah. and so she's just like, "Get out of my way! You're you're a, you're nothing more than a worm." Um, do we think we're going to see him again? Do we think that this is, you know, as Mando does, assembling his team, Magnificent Seven style, across different planets and different episodes before they all come together for the grand showdown, or is that the last we've seen of him?
1: I mean, it's possible he's on the board now. Um, I. I don't know if they've done enough to establish him as a, as a sort of hero to be recruited. You know, he doesn't feel like a Cobb Vanth, even though he has similarly great hair. Um, <laughs> so, so I don't know that, you know, I don't know he's the guy you call if you're in trouble. I think you kind of feel good that you got away with it once and he helped you out once and you probably don't necessarily go back to that well. As things stand, of course, they could meet again and that could change. But as, at the moment, it feels like a bit of a stretch to me.
0: Do you
2: think he's a non-playable character? Yeah, I don't think there's any reason to have him come back. He doesn't have any particularly useful
0: skills, but I think it would be lovely if he did, so I hope he does. Mm. All right. Uh, incidentally, the uh, mother and son that he is helping, because he does help people just yeah. in exchange for money, obviously not a very Jedi uh, trait. Having said that, Qui-Gon Jinn cons Watto out of cash in, <laughs> in, in, <laughs> in The Phantom Menace. So who's to, see, who's to say what is and isn't a Jedi trait when it comes to morality? The mother and son that he is helping find safe passage to Corellia are, of course, as you guys I'm sure already knew, uh, Niche Horn and her son Corrin Horn. Now, Niche Horn, as we all know, uh, previously appeared, she's been indirectly referenced in various uh, Star Wars um, texts, and she uh, was previously mentioned in I, Jedi, a Star Wars Legends novel written by Michael A. Stackpole. So that's something of a niche reference. (laughs) Oh, boy. And Corrin Horn is the Jedi of I, Jedi, and I didn't Get that far down the Wikipedia page. <laughs> but there yeah. we
1: go. Of course, I think we all, we all instantly picked up on that. Um, but uh, but yeah, instantly. it's nice to have these, this connective tissue.
0: But there will be people who will have picked up at that. You know, mother yeah. and son, oh, yeah. he's got force, force abilities. You're going to Corellia, that's Corrin Horn. And that's, that's cool.
1: Why Corellia? It seemed very imperial around the time of Solo. Uh,
0: it did, didn't it?
1: Yeah, a hub to go to other places, perhaps. But
0: I'm sure. I'm sure they have the reasons. Um. Uh. I, I, I gotta add I Jedi now to the to the reading list. I guess. Who knows? Um. Anyway. So then he. Uh. So after he meets Haja Estri, he goes, infiltrates, flees, kidnapping house, gets them all high, ripped off their tits on spice, uh, emerges with young Leia, and they start running away. So we have that big John Wick interlude. Which I think more could have been made more of. I think mm-hmm. there could have been more of a sense of danger. I guess they get pinned down on the roof, but you could have had a sense that genuinely this guy who, you know, isn't really trying to cover his face in any way um, might be a, a real danger. Um, but yeah, what did we make of, of that aspect of the episode? Yeah, I
1: thought the corridor fight was disappointing. And then, you know, pinned down on the roof, I, I didn't understand, like, Leia ducked through all the washing. I didn't understand why Obi Wan didn't also. Duck through all the washing as well, which would have taken him out of the line of sight. Yes, of course it offers no shelter from blasts, but the guy yeah. can't see you. I, I don't understand why he didn't go straight after her. That was weird. So yeah, so some of the decision-making just in those scenes I thought was
0: eh. This is two episodes in a row now where people have really struggled to catch Leia. Gr- where grown grown men have struggled to catch a 10-year-old as as she runs away. and uh, And it's two episodes in a row now. Uh, because when Benny Safdie escapes from the Inquisitors in the first episode, he basically just kind of goes, whoop, whoop look at that, what's that over there? And then just ducks off and <laughs> and then just puts one tiny obstacle in their path, and they're like, well, there's no point. There's yes. no point going we after can't him. can't possibly catch him now <laughs> no. with this thin yeah. piece of tarpaulin is in front of us. Like, what are we going to do? <laughs> I'd have to go around it. I'd have I mean, to plan a journey. <laughs> We'd have to find an eye contact again. I, sh- I can't <laughs> possibly do it. Like, I'm going home. yeah. So <laughs> maybe they didn't catch him in that first episode. Maybe he just ended up hung there due to his own incompetence. He slipped maybe and he fell. was just trying to. Yeah, he was just the trying to. One putting got the lights. Yeah, he was just putting up the lights, and he got caught, and he fell, and his foot got caught in it, and he, you know, he died.
1: Oh, that's really sad.
0: It's really sad. What a sad end.
1: What a sad for Benny <laughs> Safdie. Oh, <laughs> Benny no. Safdie's sad end. Oh no, that sounds wrong.
0: Oh dear Lord. Oh, um, no. Anywho, the Inquisitors. There is. Big developments this week, in this week's episode. Uh, we have uh the Grand Inquisitor played by Rupert Friend, not Jason Isaacs. And I do wonder if they tried to make that happen.
2: Uh I would the same have- character. No. This is this and this is the point. I'm assuming it's not the same character. He's the same race. Uh he yeah, because obviously he gets impaled at the end of this, and I, yes, I don't believe it's the same one
0: that will then go on to turn up in because. Um- the Grand Inquisitor, as we all know, being such fans of the animated shows. And That's thank right. you to everybody this week who has furnished us with uh, uh, someone very, very helpfully slid into my DMs and said, look, you know, you don't have to watch every single episode of Rebels or Clone Wars to to get a handle on on stuff. Here is a small list I put together and it was 40 episodes long, so <laughs> I'm going to try and get to those at some point. And of course, Sophie Petzl, who uh, listens to this podcast and is a phenomenal TV writer, uh, is also deeply, deeply first in the animated lore and has been um essentially calling us idiots for, for skipping these That's shows. Fine. So we will That's we fine. will watch them.
2: No we won't. Uh he's a pa- he's a paun, much like Bruce Spence. Oh is he? Yeah, he's a paun. Okay, so do we know definitively whether this is meant to be the same character or uh, it just see, I just happens to be the same race? It was when this began. But then obviously <laughs> by the end of this episode i'm reasonably convinced it isn't uh but then it seems a bit of a stretch that another Paun would become the grand inquisitor so who knows? maybe he survives being impaled and it is the same character
1: when it when it was announced he was announced as the grand inquisitor and everyone certainly took it as read that it was the same character Mm. i mean like you say i guess it's theoretically possible it's a different one but i think it's meant to be the same yeah so i think he's going to get better
0: oh you think this is the last we've seen of the grand inquisitor
1: no, I think he's going to recover and
0: yeah go it, on to it, if do he's the, the same character. Then, then obviously he'll recover. Yeah. <laughs> but if he's not, then who knows? But then, yeah. what does that mean for Reva? Because Reva uh, is very much doubling down. This is a very ambitious power move by stabbing your boss. I've never thought of doing this, but, um, <laughs> but I feel like it's in
2: keeping with Sith ideology. I think Vader would approve. I don't think she'll get in too much trouble for it.
1: Yeah, especially if he's not dead. Like he, she, he hasn't. She hasn't cost Vader anything. If she, if he's still just temporarily inconvenienced until they can get him out of the BAFTA, BAFTA tank. <laughs> the tank? The BAFTA tank. That's actually wow. how people
2: get a war teller. and You stick them in the wow. BAFTA tank and then they come out and they've got a little
0: trophy.
1: <laughs> Maybe they just stick him in the BAFTA tank. She gets promoted past him. He wakes up and they're like, hey, no harm done. You know, all's good.
0: No harm done.
1: I mean, apart from the harm that was done, what's the harm?
0: Apart from that, so yeah, is there a hallmark card for sorry? I stabbed you in the abdomen with a lightsaber. I was just desperately trying to kill Obi Wan Kenobi for reasons.
1: Well, they they have done tie-ins with Disney, so I don't think we can rule it out.
0: Are you saying Reeve is a princess in oh, waiting that we don't goodness. know about? Oh my god! No,
1: um, I was I was watching the first episode again, and it obviously could be her getting out of the um, Jedi temple at the beginning. So maybe that's why she is a such a personal grudge. She she blames him for the death of her teacher, all her friends, the destruction of her life.
0: It's a bit of a stretch.
1: It, it feels like a bit of a stretch, but, you know.
2: What I find quite interesting is is that she obviously knows Darth Vader is Anakin Skywalker. And I wonder when that became, like, Is that does that stop being common knowledge or
0: is it always common knowledge? That's a good point because, okay, because that raises another interesting point. Because then if she does have a call bomb with Obi-Wan because of Order 66. And, but she knows that Anakin is Darth Vader and she works for Darth Vader. Don't you think she the, the person she should have a call bomb with mm-hmm. is the person yeah. who actually participated in Order 66? And
1: specifically attacked the temple and specifically <laughs> and yes. slaughtered the younglings. Yes.
0: Yes. yes, rather than the person who didn't. Although, if she is Vader's apprentice, potentially… Then, because she says, "I'm not going to kill you. I'm going to take you to him." Then perhaps he has poisoned her mind against Obi Wan Kenobi.
1: I mean, I guess if the whole idea is that these were Jedi or or you know pupil Jedi who returned to the dark side, I guess there is a sense of them being twisted, you know, and having to be brainwashed to an extent, or or at least you know heavily influenced. So I I, I guess or something like that.
2: You're saying she's a twisted sister.
1: I'm saying she's a twisted sister. Yes, okay, that makes it feels. Sense. But it feels like um, I would like to know more about this whole turning people to the dark side. There's there's a there's a concept of that in Wheel of Time, where where oh, a, a magically. God. I'm just saying. Look, I'm just saying for a second. There's a concept in that where a, a magical user can specifically be turned to a into a bad guy against their will without any extensive brainwashing. It's just a sort of like very very complicated spell that they have to do involving monsters. I wonder, like, is there a what's the process basically of turning someone to the dark side? Do you just like torture them a bunch? Do you have to go through the whole kind of, you know, long drawn out wooing process that the Emperor and Vader went through with Luke? Because that seems inefficient. Like, what I I want to know more. How does this get done?
2: Mm. Take your weapon and strike me down.
0: Yes, that's what you have to do. Yeah, he basically he nudges Luke towards the dark side, doesn't he? The Emperor he doesn't he doesn't woo him or necessarily torture him. He basically just goes turn the dark side, and Luke kind of goes
1: mm, maybe, 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 that's maybe I will.
0: The same way he turns Anakin. I well, remember
2: with Dooku, he's like, "God, cut his head off," you know. it's but no, very, but there's uh, a
1: whole there's a whole like uh, seduction process with Anakin before that.
2: Yeah, he is. Have you heard the story of Darth Plagueis the Wise? But even
1: at the beginning of of clones, he's already talking about you know the dark side having much to teach us.
0: Yes, yes, he is. That is true. That is true. Two last things before we uh, get into some listener questions. Uh, there is a thread that runs through this episode, which I'm not quite sure they make work. Which is the notion that Obi Wan looks really, really, really old? Like um, <laughs> Leia, Leia says, "My grandfather more like, and and various people go, "Oh, you look really old, or, or old man," and they're trying to skirt around the fact that <laughs> Ewan McGregor is this an exceptionally attractive human being <laughs> who, even though he's looking a bit grizzled, just looks like an exceptionally attractive human being in his mid forties. I mean, he's a hunk, a hunk of burning love, <laughs> old man, my arse.
1: Well, I mean, yes, but there is this convention, isn't there, that uh, you make fun of people for looking older than they in fact do? I mean, look, do you remember Danny Boyle talking about the fact that he couldn't make oh, the train spotting sequel for years and years and years uh, because none of his cast had aged and he needed them to have aged before he could make it? So, right. you know. Yeah. Uh, okay. I, I feel like he's now living on a planet, a desert planet. They don't seem to have a concept of sunscreen in the Star Wars universe. He's going to age quite quickly now. It's a bit surprising he hasn't aged more in the last ten years.
0: It's <laughs> a good point. Uh, and the last thing is, we finally we end the episode with that revelation that Obi Wan somehow didn't know that Darth Vader is uh, alive, that Anakin is alive and is Darth Vader. Maybe that's a maybe that's logical. Maybe he's on Tatooine and news like that because Luke didn't. Luke's never heard of Darth Vader, for example. When he's mm. talking about him, he doesn't go, oh, Darth Vader, the guy who is like the Empire's attack dog. Oh, yeah, I know him. So maybe news doesn't reach Tatooine. But then we get to see him. We get to see Anakin. We get to see Anakin. We get to see Hayden Christensen in the flashback to Titan. Anakin. Anakin. No. Anakin. Oh, Anakin. Still no quite gone, by the yeah. way. He no. goes, Master, now will be a good time. Master, please materialize. And and uh, Liam's like, no, I'm on a pay and play deal for one episode only.
1: I'm busy with Dairy Girls.
0: I'm busy. <laughs> yes. Very busy. Uh, so anyway, yes, we see Fader. So yeah. what do we make of this?
1: It makes sense to me that, you know, Obi-Wan wouldn't assume that Anakin was alive, what with having cut off all four of his limbs (laughs) and (laughs) And left him him burning in some lava, you wouldn't necessarily think, hey, I wonder if he survived. I don't think that would be your first instinct. And also, you know, what was he supposed to do at that point? Because it would literally be overkill to go back and, you know, kick him in the lava or stick your lightsaber in him. And they were friends. And I can understand why he might hesitate to, you know, administer the coup de grace, if you will. So I, I don't, I don't know that he would necessarily expect him to be alive, and I don't think he would necessarily, even if he's heard about a guy called Darth Vader. I don't know if he would put that together with Anakin. Why would he?
0: But he knows that Anakin is Darth Vader at the at the end of. Yeah, I think he does. Does he? Oh, when? Yeah, yeah. He's, he's when he when they fight, he is Darth Vader. He just not He just doesn't wear the suit. What? Yeah, I can't remember, does
2: he actually introduce himself? So Anakin, no, my name is Darth now. Uh, I can't remember if he actually introduces himself by name. But yeah, he's certainly using that term. But whether everyone's heard it, I don't know. But I just assume. Oh,
1: okay. Maybe
2: Maybe he does, maybe he doesn't.
0: Because it's the mention of Lord Vader's name that makes him go, what? Rather than Anakin. Um, Of course. Okay,
1: okay, yeah, yeah, okay. It's weird because I am an expert on the prequels, much like I am on Clone Wars and Rebels. Hmm. And I'd just forgotten that.
0: Uh, the recaps make it look like the Emperor or Palpatine uh, or Darth Sidious uh, only. It calls him Darth Vader when he gets the mask on, but yeah. he's he's essentially yeah. Darth Vader from no, right, 66. Right. Okay. That's right. Yeah.
2: One thing we haven't mentioned is obviously uh, there's a great big crocodile man who tries to capture Obi Wan mm. bounty hunter. But we also see a familiar face because of course the other bounty hunter looks a lot like For Lom, who is one of the is the droid bounty hunter that the Vader. Uh, Brings in to catch mm. the Millennium Falcon. Of course, he's not Forlom because Forlom is alive in Empire Strikes Bat and this one makes a, an unfortunate end. Yeah. But uh, this apparently is one Jack, one Jack who is the same, presumably model as Forlom.
1: Wow. Why don't more Jedi pretend to be bounty hunters in this period? It allows you to f- travel around, you know, fancy free and footloose. Could potentially allow you to help people, judging by a lot of the b- bounty hunters we've seen over time. You know, why, why don't you do that? Is it, yeah. too, is it the case that other bounty hunters are going to be too suspicious of you? Is that why? But it's weird to me.
0: Anyway. Yeah, I don't know. I don't know. Uh, should we listen? Should we take some questions? Sure. Yeah. I us take some questions because uh, Jimbo has a hard out in about 15 to 16 minutes. Uh, at Chris, actually, now this is something we discussed on the previous episode when we were pretending that we hadn't seen this episode for, for reasons. Um, have they created a new plot hole in A New Hope? Uh, Leia, at 20, asks for Obi-Wan's help saying you served my father in the Clone Wars, but now we know she should have said you rescued me 10 years ago. Please help me again.
1: No, it's not a plot hole. He calls himself Ben. He, he, she has no idea his name is Kenobi or Obi-Wan. She has no reason to put yep. the two together.
2: Creepy Uncle Benny. Cre- yeah, creepy <laughs> Uncle Ben. Uncle Ben, Uncle Ben, (laughs) rise.
0: Oh my word, that was genuinely good. Uh, All right, Guy Tomlinson14, do you think there's a chance that Obi-Wan will follow the same redemption arc for Reva as Kylo Ren in the recent trilogy, or do you think she's too far gone? Uh, James and I were talking about this off mic before we started recording, because um, second sister who is the, the main bad guy in Star Wars Jedi Fallen Order, the, uh, one of the very few video games that isn't FIFA that I have played and completed, <laughs> uh, also has the same arc in that she was someone who turned to the dark side and then, spoiler alert, <laughs> uh, she redeems herself to, to an extent towards the end of that video game. Uh, and I do wonder if they're going to not go down the same path. They'll be wary of that, I think. No redemption. No redemption. No redemption. Death.
1: I do feel, you know my thoughts on this, but I, I do feel that the redemption arc is perhaps a little played out, but that's not to say we can't have a tragic villain arc. Like she can have a reasonable, understandable motive and just not get over it, not get past it. You know, why don't we just do that for a change? Um, She does seem like she seems to be good. Like she's a heck of a charismatic actor, um, Moses Ingram. And I feel like there's a lot of, you know, pent up rage and aggression and pain that you can already feel there. So I do want to know more about her, but I don't necessarily need her to be a good guy by the end of this.
0: Yeah. Same here. Absolutely. Same here. Uh, At the MIG Jishin says, and this is something we've discussed previously, but there's a really lovely wrinkle in this. A little boy, Haja Estri, was potentially helping whilst pretending to be a Jedi was called Corrin in the credits. Do we think this is a re-canonization of Corrin Horn from the X-Wing books? It is. It is Corrin Mm -hmm. Horn from the X-Wing books. But the the lovely wrinkle is, my son, Corrin, would love it to be so. Oh man, this guy has, I presume, called his son Corrin after Corrin Horn. So... Fantastic. That's just a lovely little touch. Ian T. James, not episode specific. Oh, God damn it. But unless I've really badly remembered something, Fader finding out Luke because his son is never addressed on screen. Do you think this would be touched upon in the series? No.
2: No, 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 it can't, because he finds out in uh, in between, essentially, well, because they talk about it in Empire Strikes Back, you know, if Skywalker were to ever have a son, you know, th- th- that's where he kind of finds out. I don't think we're going to find out here, because that yeah. would make no sense, because otherwise he'd spend the next fucking 10 years searching for him. That No, Which, no, no, yeah.
0: no, no, no.
1: Yeah, it would take a lot of retconning for him to find out now.
0: Fedconning. Fedconning.
1: <laughs> No fat codding, thank you. But it would take some kind of, there'd have to be some hand wave as to why he doesn't just go looking immediately.
0: Look, you don't need to looking. look at my plot devices. Yeah, <laughs> That kind of hand-waving. Uh, all right. So, Gary Bailey, 79, uh, presumably not the former Manchester United goalkeeper. Do you think there might be a Ewan McGregor remake in 20 years' time of the originals? A new, new hope, so to speak. And question two, what about an Abrams-style Kelvin timeline where we get seven to eight seasons of this Obi-Wan training? <laughs> low dear God. Uh, just one season's fine. And taking on the Empire in a slightly darker, edgier world. No. How dare you? Don't
1: remake you. Star Wars. Make something new. And don't feel like everything has to be darker and edgier. I'm sorry, but no.
0: I agree with at least half of that. <laughs> uh, I don't think they'll remake the originals, no. I think they'll they'll play around the sandbox, but I don't think they'll actually go there, Uh, And nor nor should they ever. ever. And if they do, cut their hands off with a lightsaber. At Sandy Lyell, are you thinking that Princess Leia was the least helpful rescued hostage of all time? Well, if she's consistent. She is yes. very consistent in uh, in Star Wars when she gets rescued by Luke and Han and Chewie. She gives him nothing but shit for the rest of the film. So.
1: <laughs> in in her defense, it's not the best rescue she's ever had. In her,
0: in their defense, it's a fucking rescue. She should be more I mean, grateful.
1: Why should she? She, she probably had she things. She was in, in a prison cell. Yeah, I mean, yeah. she
0: wasn't getting out anytime and then, soon. Yeah, okay,
1: but she went from the prison cell to the garbage chute. I mean, it was not a material in defense, improvement in it was her circumstances. Her
2: idea to go down the garbage chute. Oh, okay, that's true.
1: Yeah, well she was saving them.
2: <laughs> that's true.
1: Uh, anyway, um, yes, she is very consistent. I love that for her. I absolutely adored that. Um and I just wish everyone else would live up to her higher expectations already. Come on, people.
0: Cold hard facts. She was in Flea's kidnap house, and mm-hmm. then she wasn't. And in, in In A New Hope, she was in the prison cell, and then she wasn't. And on both occasions, she gives the people who got her out of those situations mega shit. Honestly. Here's a, predi-
1: here's a prediction for future episodes. Yeah. She obviously you know, ended up at various points saving Luke, saving Han. Uh-huh. She's going to end up saving Obi-Wan at some point in the next episode, probably.
0: Oh my God, with the help of Jar Jar Binks.
1: From you, your lips to God's ears there. I'm
0: going to keep yeah. hammering this until if, if the people who make the show are listening to the show, I know they can change things quite late in the day. If you don't Come already up. have Jar Jar Binks in your show, put <sighs> Jar Jar Binks in your show.
1: Wow. you're going to keep Speaking hammering of Jar Jar Binks.
2: Things that yeah, nobody needed in Jar Jar the show. You mentioned Fett conning, but obviously Fett himself, or rather a variant of such, did appear yes. in the show because we see a clone trooper, a down yes. and out clone trooper,
0: an old veteran begging for credits. I wondered if it might be Commander Cody, but it's not. It's, I did. I had it's, that it's, moment as well. Yeah. Yeah, but he would have recognised Kenobi, yeah, sure. Yeah. yeah. Well, I did think that because
2: when he they, they're looking at each other, I thought surely. All of the clones know who you are, General Kenobi. Like, unless this clone has like drunk himself into a stupor and has no memory, like you would recognize him because he looks, let's be honest, absolutely identical to <laughs> he did ten years ago. So, no, no, no.
1: His beard is slightly longer, his beard, and his cloak is, is slightly shorter, longer. so totally different. <laughs> it's
2: like, hi, person who used to work for me.
0: <laughs> Listen, there are millions of clone troopers, surely, so I, I don't think they all are intimately acquainted with what yeah. he looks like. I, I that's true. don't know. That's true. Well, we see there is fucking loads of them. No, so, I
1: I'm, I'm would... just
2: saying that like, he's he's a very important general. Presumably, you know, he's he's on all the little pamphlets that they get given when they join.
0: If you were a soldier fighting in World War One and you, you saw Kitchener on the posters, and then you were actually confronted with Kitchener in real life, you probably wouldn't connect the two. Yeah, That's
1: and you saying. might know Kitchener, but you might not know any of the other major generals in the war. He wasn't the only general, like. But that.
2: he's the very model of a modern major general.
1: <laughs> <laughs> Has he got information, vegetable, animal, and mineral? Though we don't know that.
0: <laughs> yes, I have to say, whenever I heard uh, Tamura Morrison's voice, my uh, my heart sank. Yes. I was like, oh no, oh, they, fuck. they worked Boba Fett into this, they, oh, thank God he's just a clone trooper. Uh, but I thought that was quite a nice touch. Mm, I agree. Uh, also, did you notice there's a female stormtrooper? Ah. I did not actually know. Very helpful when you turn on the subtitles, because uh, the subtitles tell you things. So there, when the, the two stormtroopers who walk through you early on, and they have a little bit of an exchange, it says female stormtrooper. Ah. So even though we can't really hear what she's saying, that is a female stormtrooper. And the subtitles also tell you, because Lee's shows don't bother telling you the names of all the major characters, uh, that Flea is playing a character called Fect-Nokru. fect no crew.
1: But he has a crew, so that's he misleading. Yeah. Yeah. He has
0: no face by the end of the, uh, the episode, but...
1: <laughs> I have so many questions about stormtroopers. So obviously we're at the point now where they're not all clone troopers. Great. Um, that That's helpful for the timeline. But there's, they still have minimum height requirements, presumably... For Princess Leia, and that that height requirement is presumably taller than Luke was. But Luke seemed like a decent height. It's
0: not Alton Towers. <laughs>
2: <laughs> you must be this high to ride.
1: <laughs> well, if he's a little short for a stormtrooper, like what's the minimum height?
0: No, she, I think she just says. I don't think there's a minimum height. I think she's just saying most stormtroopers I've seen in my life are big, and you are small. But obviously his uniform fits him, so ergo.
1: Uh, yeah. There is a short stormtrooper.
0: Okay. Mark okay. Hamill is five
2: foot seven and a half. I'm saying it's a bit harsh if you have to be tall to be a stormtrooper.
0: Don't be, don't be sizeist. Don't judge people in their you know, hides, Leia. Yeah. Leia's
1: just hey, arc, awful. Hey. Awful. You're awful, Leia. Thank a, you. A goddess.
0: Uh, what, another thing I liked about this episode was it uh, once again leans into that grand Star Wars tradition. It starts in A New Hope with Luke. Uh, Nick in a stormtrooper's uh, uh, costume of a major character knocking someone out off screen and then emerging <laughs> wearing their clothes, which fit them perfectly. So Obi Wan sees that sort of weird lizardy turtle man and goes off, and then seconds later he comes in wearing his clothes.
1: What was that uh, comedy film where they do that and the, the, the guards they knock out are, are like massively not their size? <laughs> Like one is very remember. very large and one is very very small, and they come out with these perfectly <laughs> fitted clothes. That's going to annoy me all day now.
0: I quite oh. like the, uh, the there's the the moment in Peacemaker. There's an episode of Peacemaker where that happens, but they um, they take it from someone who who has died and <laughs> who has voided their bowels at the oh, moment no. of death, and so they have to <laughs> they have to wear this horrible foul smelling shit smelling costume. Oh, very realistic. Anyway, not much time. Bates Joseph asks with the apparent death of the grand inquisitor at the end does this pretty much confirm the cartoons aren't as canon as we thought or is this just a lucasfilm creative blip
2: well no i think it, i think it's either a different character or he's not dead like yeah. they're definitely canon and they're not going to contradict them so yeah i have uh, oh so many questions about the efficacy of the design of the inquisitor lightsabers i think that that disc motif that they've got going around them is fucking impractical and probably get in the way but hey ho that's a conversation isn't for that one episode.
1: of the uh the isn't that like a shield thing? Like we played with when no, we Shield's were Marvel. in the Star Wars universe, like it, like it's a laser shield.
2: Oh, what you mean like the Gungans have? Oh, when we went to Galactic Star Cruiser,
1: when well, we went to the Star Cruiser, and we played with the shield things. Oh yes, and they I were see. Wrong. they were the same shape as those things.
2: Yeah, no, I don't think so. Obviously, having watched all of the the cartoons, I will know entirely all of the facilities of those. But they, so the Grand Cruiser has the full disc, and then. What's third sister has like the half disc so the half disc you can probably get away with saying well that just protects your hand doesn't it that's quite handy but the full disc thing other than being able to spin around like a combine harvester uh which he does at one point um i i, I just it seems like that's a, just a very poor design
0: for something a very poor design indeed uh hey another thing we haven't really seen in these two episodes we've seen lots of Sung kang as fifth brother, we've seen him do lots of, of, of speaking with his mouth, but we haven't seen him do a lot of fighting with his sabre. Mm. And I think that's something that's going to happen soon as well, yeah. especially if the Grand Inquisitor is off the, the table for the time being.
1: Good point, yeah.
0: Plunged into a healing back to tank. Presumably. It's
1: interesting to me that he is uh, quite as wary of uh, Riva as he is. I wonder if that will become more of a thing going forward.
0: I would suspect it will do. Uh, and also, I wonder how... Obvious it is that Riva has attacked the Grand Inquisitor. Uh, you know, can you know, is there like a, a a Gil Grissom who can tell whether it's you know this has been done with a a red lightsaber with a Sith lightsaber or has this been done with you know uh, has she basically framed Obi Wan for, for?
1: Yeah, I suspect an so. attack.
0: Maybe at Alex underscore Romat. Are we expecting uh, the creative team to utilize Hayden Christensen and get in as much Vader as possible from here on in? you'd think so like they've they put him quite front and center i think if you got him in
2: the show you'd want to use him but i kind of think the more time you spend with vader outside the armor the not the not gooder (laughs) or please Mm. do make my speaking english good uh do you know what i mean like that that i'm not i'm not i'm not happy with him outside the armor like we see him in the back to tank fine let's not make a habit of that shit please so put him in the armor of course once he's in the armor. (laughs) <laughs> Could be there's angry. no point having Hayden yeah. Christensen but that's yeah. a whole other thing
1: <laughs> I, I, I think it's got to be some flashbacks surely it has to be some flashbacks between the two of them otherwise it does feel like uh, overkill to cast Christensen in the first place
0: they will de age them I have to say I've, I've really quite enjoyed watching all the stuff from Celebration over the last few days um, you know, we talked about this rehabilitation of the prequels but there is clearly there, there's an entire generation who've grown up with these movies as their Star Wars and the fact that you know there was a big Attack of the Clone celebration at, at Star Wars celebration, and Yo McGregor and Hayden Christensen showed up. And apparently, I wasn't there, but apparently it was like Beatlemania. And he even said, I hate sand, it gets everywhere. And people <laughs> lost their shit about that. And I and actually, you know, I think this is really lovely because mm. I think. I think he's really good in Shattered Glass. He's amazing. He can. Though, yeah. We saw him live on stage. I don't know if we all yeah, saw him yeah. live on stage, but Glad in it. This Is Our Youth, alongside Jake Gyllenhaal, uh, kind of in that, in that sort of early bloom of of post Star Wars fame. I think it was between uh, Attack of the Clones and Revenge of the Sith, and, uh, and he was really good in that. He is a good actor who I just think didn't quite get the breaks, uh, and maybe made some bad choices, and yeah, was was not great in some things. But he is fantastic in shattered glass, and so I'm I'm glad to see him getting this this second chance. Mm. Last question is isn't really a question. It's from at J.H. Phillips, who says that he wanted the Marvel Fanfare Orchestra to do a special rendition of Hello Darkness, Rupert Friend.
1: Um, (laughs) Maybe next week. (laughs) Well, the Empire
0: Podcast, Marvel Studios Fanfare Orchestra are very militant about not crossing over into the Star Wars (laughs) world. But uh, who knows? We'll see what we can can mock up. But anyway, uh, Jimbo has to go uh, for... For training awaits, uh, to the begin the training. <laughs> oh, I wish that were the case. Uh, training also awaits me. Uh, we have an all day training session today, which is going to be a lot of fun. Uh, so sorry if we didn't I'm get your go questions. I <laughs> yeah, going go for coffee, We're going to be living a rocks with the life. force. Chris is going to be in a backpack on my back. It's like a somersaulting over tree trunks. So it's going to be extraordinary. Yeah, I'm going to be trying to retrieve uh, Jimbo's car from the Thames where he's parked practiced overnight. <laughs> <laughs> it's going to be a lot of fun, <laughs> anyway. <laughs> we have to let you go. So that is it for this Obi-Wan Kenobi part two spoiler special. Uh, join us on Thursday. We'll be back because part three drops on Wednesday. And even though Thursday is the Queen's birthday or something, uh, I will be working through the night to bring you Lad Podcast because it never ends. <laughs> <laughs> so it is time to say goodbye. Ben will be on the podcast, by the way. Helen won't. Helen's going mm. on an actual holiday.
1: I am, yeah. Woo-hoo.
0: So we'll have a Helen-shaped hole to fill. today Oh.
1: To, to tomorrow, they- <laughs>
0: tomorrow. Right. Okay. Are you are you going to Mapuzo?
1: <laughs> I hope not. Uh, if if I do, something's gone horribly wrong with my plans. Look how forget, my boy. Amazing. Good, Uncanny.
0: Yeah. Anyway, it's time to say goodbye to my two colleagues of such lethal cunning. Squad cast names. <laughs> Third sister, go sister, soul sister, flow sister.
2: Voulez-vous citer avec moi
0: ce soir?
1: <laughs>
0: <laughs> <laughs> James Dyer. Goodbye, <laughs> goodbye, James. You may leave. Actually, you may leave.
1: I can't believe I can't believe he hasn't been doing Duolingo. Stunning French. It <laughs> was stunning French,
0: wasn't it? <laughs> uh, or as you may even say, merveilleux. Uh It is goodbye <laughs> from Why not try live Sticks, Helen O'Hara. Toodle. And it is goodbye from me. The Force Awakens. In fact, a thought strikes me that this episode. Uh, it could be related to the entire sequel trilogy we see The Force Awakens Obi-Wan Kenobi is the last Jedi and what is Leia Organa than the Rise of Skywalker personified it's Whoa. all connected you were write about one thing master Flea's participation in this episode was short <laughs> thank you so much for listening see you next time bye bye <laughs> a shocking end we didn't, we didn't think that you would die so soon because the inquisitors are alive in the cartoon but then reaver, reaver went and stabbed you in the chest all the best and that's the sound Of Redcon. Or is it? Uh, The Empire Podcast Marvel Studios Fanfare Orchestra appears by kind permission of the Empire Podcast Marvel Cinematic Universe supporter Specials. All rights reserved.